NT, verse 19 to 31. Um, after the scripture, Brother Sanjay will step forward and uh, bring God's word, and he'll also close with um, benediction. John chapter 20, verse 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sight. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone of his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks on his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand on his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it on my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus did so many other miraculous things in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Over to Sanjay Patra. Thank you. Let's bow down and look to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you for your word. Lord, we want to trust you. We want to believe in you. Oh Lord, we want to unlock the power of the risen Savior. Oh Lord, as we meditate on your word, we pray that you'll give us a spirit of listening, of understanding, and Lord, also of following. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The message is entitled today, Do You Truly Believe? Do you truly believe? You may say, what kind of a question is this? You are all here assembled with the underlying assumption that you believe that I believe. Living in unbelief can be very unsettling, right? Have you come across someone who looks at everything in life with a skeptic lens? If you have not, then let me present myself. My profession tells me to be a skeptic, to doubt everything until proved otherwise. That's not a good thing though, but more than 30 years has ingrained in me that you doubt and become a skeptic. When the Second World War ended in 1945, 
four Japanese soldiers who had left on a Filipino island of Lubang refused to believe that the war was over. Even though the outside world tried to contact them because it was uh, an island and these people, I mean, those days there was no communication and the world was trying to contact them by dropping leaflets, letters, photographs. They thought that the allied forces were just trying to trick them. So they refused to believe that the war is over. They spent year after year huddling together in the jungle, living in bananas and mangoes. They launched attack on the villagers, killing at least 30 of them. And they waited for the commanders to return to Lubang with reinforcements. Nothing came. After 27 years of waiting, only one of them was left. Lieutenant Hiro Onoda. Now he was 51 years old and he was discovered by a young Japanese college dropout by the name Suzuki. Not the Maruti Suzuki, but some other. There are, Suzuki is a common name there. He tried to convince him the war was over. But Onoda told him that he would believe only if his commander ordered him to surrender. And so Suzuki went back to Japan, found Onoda's former commander and brought him to Lubang. On 9th March 1974, this former commander of Onoda read, it, read to him the official military order that all Japanese soldiers were to surrender as they had lost the war in August 1945. He was utterly shocked. We really lost the war. How could these people have been so irresponsible? If the war had really ended, then what had my comrades die for? And what I have been doing all these years? Onoda sadly unloaded his rifle and uh, returned to Japan and received a hero's welcome and a huge pension. And he went on to become a very successful businessman and to establish nature schools to educate young Japanese children. But think of what he could have done in all the lost time if he had only believed that the Second World was were over. 30 years he wasted thinking the war is still on. <clears throat> In the scripture passage that was read to us, I don't know how many of you have carefully looked at the scripture that was read to us. It's sometimes very, very common passages you read again and again, so we don't really look at it. But if you have looked at it carefully, you will see another group of men who suffered because of their unbelief. Despite all the eyewitnesses report that they heard, they refused to believe that their master had come back to life. And they would have continued to live in doubt and fear if Jesus had not come to them personally to end their disbelief. It was about 8 p.m. on a Sunday evening. Jesus had already resurrected from the dead. In a house somewhere in Jerusalem, a group of fearful disciples of Jesus were huddled together 
and mourning and weeping. They locked themselves in, afraid that the Jewish authorities would come and capture them. They had locked them inside and they were scared. In subdued tones they were talking and they were discussing something very strange that had happened. What were they talking? They said, you know something, like first a group of women had informed them that they had found the tomb of Jesus mysteriously open and his body was missing. But two angels there told them that he had risen from the dead. But the words of these women, they thought were idle tales to the disciples and they refused to believe them. Secondly, the report was confirmed when Simon, Peter and John went to the tomb and discovered that the grave clothes of Jesus were still lying there, but his body was missing. And thirdly, even more startling news came. Mary Magdalene arrived at the house and told them, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. And before they could even get over this, two disciples came running breathlessly from a place called Emmaus, which is 11 kilometers away. And with great excitement, they narrated how a kind stranger joined them on the journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus that afternoon and how he explained to them all the scripture passages which foretold the resurrection of Jesus. And when they reached Emmaus and had sat down to eat with them, they suddenly recognized that this kind stranger was none other than Jesus himself. And he disappeared before their eyes. All these things were going on, confused, scared. locked and huddled in a room. How could it be possible for Jesus to be alive when he saw, he, they saw he died and hung on a cross just three days before the agonizing death that we saw on Good Friday? How could he have walked so effortlessly to Emmaus on his nail-pierced feet and then vanished into thin air? What bizarre reports. They probably thought that all these were a result of wishful thinking and a manifestation of a ghost probably. That's what they thought. Are you one of them? Am I one of them? Do you also doubt if it ever happened? Post-resurrection doubt. But as they struggled in fear and unbelief, the Lord Jesus suddenly appears in the midst of them and shows himself to them. Only then did they believe that he had indeed been risen from the dead. However, one disciple called Thomas missed that opportunity. He was not there. So he lived in the doubt for one more week because he said unless I see the nail pierced hand and the side and put my finger on them I'm not going to believe and so Jesus had to appear once again after a week 
Then he joined all the rest in believing that Jesus had truly risen from the dead. You know, in this whole account, one thing that stands out, the importance of having faith in, risen, in the risen Lord, the importance of having faith in the risen Lord. And we'll see three important lessons out of it. First one, faith in the risen Lord brings lasting peace and joy to troubled hearts. Jesus knew that his disciples were a discouraged lot, locked them up in a house because they were fearful, they were scared. He knew they were troubled and they were anxious. And so what he does is calms the storm in the mind. The calms, he calms the, the storm that was raging in their hearts in the same way that he had calmed a storm in the Sea of Galilee two years earlier. At that time he said, be still to the Sea of Galilee and everything became still. And now look at his words. When he appears, what happens? What he says? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And he repeats it in verse 21. He says it in verse 20. And no, in, 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 in verse 19. And then he repeats it in verse 21. And again in verse 26. Peace be with you. What was he saying? What was he saying? Some would think that this was some kind of a usual Jewish greeting of shalom, peace, shalom, which the Jews would normally exchange with each other. They would say shalom. When you meet, you say shalom. But actually it was not. Because this is the only instance where Jesus ever said, peace be unto you. And so, they are meant to draw our attention. And what a wonderful peace that is. It is the same peace that Jesus had mentioned in the Last Supper in John chapter 14 and verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. Let your heart not be troubled. If, Jesus, if you receive the peace of Jesus, your heart will not be troubled. And that is the peace Jesus wants to give. Peace be with you. And the, but this peace which Jesus promised that he is giving his disciples in the Last Supper is reinforced here because Jesus says in verse 20, after saying, peace be with you, please look at verse 20, he says, he showed them his hand, hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So how does he Prove that peace is by showing his nail-pierced hand and the spear-pierced side. So what is he saying? This peace 
that I am giving you is the peace that I accomplished on the cross of Calvary through the nails that pierced my hand and the spear that pierced my body. That is the peace that Jesus was talking about. That peace with God that he achieved because of his finished work on the cross of Calvary. And that is the peace that he is talking about. This peace is the peace of with God. If you believe that Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again, you have the peace of God through him. That is the peace he was talking about. Peace be with you. And when you have the when you, when you have peace with God, you can also have peace of God. If you have peace with God, you can have peace of God. And that peace of God, which passes all understanding, would keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. If you have peace with God, you will have peace of God. And that peace, which passes all understanding, we cannot comprehend that peace. But if that peace comes into our hearts, that will keep our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This peace does not depend on peaceful circumstances. Right? If I have only peaceful circumstances, we'll have peace. No. You know, there are the two artists who were asked to draw or paint a picture representing perfect peace. One artist drew a picture or painted a picture of a, a little boy sitting on a boat in a still waters and he named it Peace. The second artist painted a picture of a raging waterfall, water falling down, rushing and spraying. And there, over there, a branch of tree. And in the tree, on the branch, a robin has a small nest. And that robin is sitting on the eggs with eyes closed. When there is raging waters of waterfall and this artist said peace. Peace is not peaceful circumstances brothers and sisters. Peace is a time when we have peace in our hearts even when there is challenging circumstances outside, even when you are facing difficulties and challenges, you have that peace because you have peace with God and you have the peace of God and therefore. Perhaps there's someone here who need, needs this peace right now. Perhaps it is me. Perhaps you came to church with a very troubled heart because of some difficult trial you are facing. 
real challenge outside or perhaps some recent turn of events in life has shaken your faith to the very core won't you come to the lord jesus christ right now and cast all your cares and all your burdens on him come to him and let him bring perfect peace and rest to your troubled heart just as he brought his perfect peace to the troubled heart of disciples and that's not all that's not all the reason lord brought to them he also brought a lasting joy to their hearts in the later part of verse 20 it says after he said this he showed them his hands and side and disciples were overjoyed when they saw the lord jesus brings peace also jesus brings joy to the disciples peace be with you and and the heart of the disciples are overjoyed overjoyed can you see the profound change that came over on these disciples the moment they saw jesus and when they received the peace the mourning and the sadness turned into joy and gladness that's the best thing about joy they had is that it was a lasting joy in the last supper jesus said and you know therefore now therefore have sorrow but i'll see you again and your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man can take from you in john 16 verse 20 also he says your sorrows will turn into joy and that is exactly what had happened the sorrows of the disciples turned into joy perhaps you may want to know how this lasting joy can be yours well you can have it only when you look to your resurrected savior the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the lord so only when disciples saw the lord they were glad they were overjoyed joy comes when we have the risen savior in our lives that made all the difference to them and do you know what happens when we take our eyes off the lord when you look outside to the raging storms of what peter experienced when he stepped out of the boat we sink right back into our doubts and fears the moment you take your eyes off the risen savior you will sink in doubts and fears you know one chorus which has stayed with me since my childhood is turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace dear ones whenever you feel overwhelmed by many responsibilities turn your eyes upon jesus look to him and say i can do all things through christ which strengthens me 
whenever you feel oppressed by wicked and unreasonable people around you turn your eyes upon jesus look to him and say very boldly the lord is my helper and i will not fear what man can do to me whenever in pain and discomfort because of illness because of sickness turn your eyes upon jesus look to him and say most gladly therefore will i rather glory in my sickness that the power of christ may rest upon me whenever you turn your eyes upon the lord jesus you'll be able to rejoice in him and no one can take that joy away from you and so we have seen that faith in the risen lord brings both lasting peace and lasting joy to our troubled hearts however that peace and joy should not be kept to us only that will be selfish and that brings me to the second lesson for this morning which is faith in the risen lord is the basis for church's mission on earth verse 21 till about 29 what jesus says in 20 verse 21 is that peace be with you as the father has sent me i am sending you you have received peace you have received the joy but don't restrict it to yourself go i am sending you out the reason why we can carry out the mission as a church today is that jesus has risen from the dead if jesus is not risen our faith is in vain that's what the bible says in first corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17 if jesus had not risen from the dead we would also have no power to proclaim the good news effectively and then in verse 22 jesus is breathing on the disciples and saying receive the holy spirit prelude to what is going to come in acts later on it was only with the holy spirit's power that the church of jesus christ could become a movement to make disciples of all nations and to be his witnesses to the uttermost part of the world the good news is powered by the resurrection of jesus powered by the resurrection of jesus and jesus may already have had the church's mind when he appeared to the disciples and ministered to them look at verse 29 in uh, what he says to thomas then jesus told them because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed whom was he talking about was he talking about thomas no whom was he talking about he was talking about you and he was talking about me those who have not seen him and yet believed blessed are you it's a very special blessing of jesus the risen savior because we have believed 
even without seeing the Savior. We have seen the Savior in a spiritual eyes, not in a physical eyes. So what does this mean for us? It means that when we come to church every Sunday, we're in a sense, listen to me very carefully now. When we come to church on a Sunday, we are in a sense reenact, reenacting in faith the experience of disciples in this passage. We gather together in one place just like they did. In anticipation of meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're thinking that you're coming here in a routine manner and monotonous way because you have done it all these years, take note. You come here in anticipation of meeting our Lord Jesus, like these disciples were in that room locked up. We come in faith, believing that Jesus himself is present here to take all our doubts and fears away and to refresh us with the Holy Spirit whom he has breathed into us. And when we take the Lord's Supper, our faith is strengthened as we see his body and his blood represented in the bread and the cup. They serve the same purpose as the wounds on his hands and the side which Jesus sowed to his disciples. Remember that imagery. When we take the Lord's Supper, we are remembering the nail-pierced hands of Jesus and the side, the blood that flew and his body. He may comfort us with words of peace or he may rebuke us for being as faithless as Thomas or he may instruct us to go forth in his name and to do his will just as he instructed his disciples. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Have the ears to listen to what God is going to tell you every Sunday when you come to the church. It's not a meaningless, repetitive exercise. Think of what the results may be if such an intimate fellowship with Christ were to become our own experience in church every Sunday. The risen Lord will work actively in and through us. So we must look forward to every Sunday to gather together and to meet him in faith. Bible says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner some are in the habit of doing. But make it our top priority. Because Thomas could not be there in that room, he lived in doubt and fear for one more week. I don't want to intend that those who are not here would live in doubt and fear for the next week. But Definitely, my dear ones, your faith will be strengthened as we have read in this passage, right? You'd feel refreshed, you'd have that peace, you'll have the joy. It's important to remember. Please make sure that we don't miss those great blessings. Make it a point to keep your weekly appointment with God and his people every Sunday. Even though you can always read your Bible and worship at home, and if you're not physically able to come, 
you are through the Zoom, you are worshiping, make it a point to come if you can. There's nothing like a physical gathering of God's people. Thirdly, faith in the risen Lord saves you when you confess him as your Lord and your Savior. Please look at the last two verses. This is where I'm going to finish. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Here John reveals his purpose for writing this book. It is to enable his readers, you and me, to learn about Jesus and especially about the miraculous signs that he did. And these signs prove beyond any doubt that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So we come to the question. Now that you know all the signs in John's gospel, which are only a fraction of all that Jesus did. It's not everything that's written. Only a fraction of what he did was written. What is your conclusion about him? Is it the same conclusion at Thomas? Who said, unless I see his hands in his hands the nail marks or put my finger into where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. And you know what? What Jesus told him? What did he say in verse 27? Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Do you know that when Thomas asked this question to the disciples, Jesus was not present there. But Jesus knew because he is omniscient God. He knows what's going on in your circumstances. He knows what's happening with you at this moment. He is an omniscient God. Nothing is hidden from him. Jesus knows everything that happens. He knows every word that you have said. And there's only one conclusion that we draw from this. Jesus is the true God and the Lord. And that is how Thomas responds in verse 28. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Brothers and sisters. Even if you might have done it before, important to do it again and again. Important to do it now. To say, you are the risen Lord, my God and my Lord. My Lord and my God. Will that be your response this morning to what Jesus is asking for? But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And what will be our response? Shall we read it together in verse 28? Thomas said to him, 
bit bit doubtful huh? can we do it better my lord louder please my lord and my god that is the response if one thing that you want to carry back this morning with you remember this my lord and my god my lord and my god and that jesus has not changed he's same yesterday today and forever turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace let's pray heavenly father we thank you for your word we thank you that your word is powerful and lord the response that we want to give you this morning is that you are my lord and my god help us o oh father to live a victorious life because of the risen savior on whom we put our trust this morning and reaffirm it in jesus name amen